What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So just a heads up. Um... Just um, I don't I don't I don't mind cursing, but not a lot of it, not a lot of it, because I do have ads on this for my pod, and um, they're like I have to like read off certain like scripts and all that stuff, and uh, I don't want them to listen to. Um, the podcast when I'm supposed to be like representing them, quote unquote, um, and end up, um, you know, that's not something that they want to be behind. So different sponsorship ads based off of, based off the week. Um, so like this week is going to be someone different than, than last week. So just a heads up with that. I don't, I don't mind cursing. I don't mind it at all, but, um, but it can't be like, it can't be like the F word and the S word and all that stuff. Every, every sentence, that's it. I'm not here to, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to baby you. I'm, I'm I'm not here to be like a teacher saying, you can't say that word. Hey, we're all, we are, we are all grown here, but, um, but do kind of, you know, understand that. Like I do have, do have, advertisers um who have me read stuff for them uh on my podcast so just keep that in mind uh when or if you do come up here so um i appreciate it ed that was not directed at you you know there were other people that that uh kind of was uh letting it fly so it's it's not just you trust me it's not just you uh, it was, uh, it was kind of wild yesterday and tempers were flaring, tempers were flaring and rightfully so, but I do want this to be a space for you guys to kind of vent your frustrations, you know, vent what you like, vent what you don't like. Um, anything you want to talk about, man, I am 100% down for, and just understand that, um, you know, like, just like on Twitter, like I am very open. And if you guys want to relay something to me, I will talk about pretty much anything and everything. And, um, and if there's people who are interested in that, um, I'll bring it up. So uh, I try to make sure that it's like a very open community, um, a respectful community, uh, because when it becomes disrespectful, that's when the messages get lost and it's more of an attack on each other. So, um, so like, so like trying to keep it to that level, but I do appreciate you guys coming on, man. Um, this will be on a pod probably will go up tonight or tomorrow. Um, so this is, uh, Dodd, I'll let you in in like, in like a few minutes. Um, this is, um, so 27, 27, 24, Michigan, Michigan state, uh, 
game yesterday where the Spartans end up winning. Um, in my opinion, this is by far the worst loss of the Harbaugh tenure, um, by far. And some losses, you can kind of understand, or you can kind of be like, you know what, I get it. You know, Ohio State, even though it's been five straight times, you understand why they've been 0-5. You know, maybe one or two of those games could could have gone a different way if certain things happened. Um, but you you but Ohio State, um, just a more talented team. Wisconsin, tough as nails. Um, so you understand losing to them. Goat Franklin on the road. I mean, they've had electric players. They've had Saquon Barkley. They've had KJ Hamler. They've had some like legit studs. Um, where you understand it, even the loss at Iowa. You know, we didn't like it, but with those circumstances and you know, you're just that game just was just bad luck, and we should have won that game, but. We're like, okay, Iowa on the road at night. People are like, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, bowl game against South Carolina, you're not really, you know, like it's a bowl game. Guys sit out, guys opt out. You're playing other bodies. Um, then you have other situations like, you know, opening up against Notre Dame with new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, um, not everybody was, was on the same page. Um, but this one, this was very, very different. This is not on the same level as the others. This felt weird. Um, on top of being what, you know, opening up as 24, 25 point favorites, went down to 21 and a half, especially after seeing what Maryland did to Minnesota. Uh, people started to devalue Michigan, which was very, very smart, as it turns out. Um, But either way, this one felt different because not only were you the more talented team, um, you were facing someone who, in my opinion, in my opinion, they didn't play terrible last week. And I said that all week long. They didn't play bad, but you turned over the ball seven times. I mean, it's going to be hard to win. And don't focus on the name on the front, Rutgers. Rutgers, their whole culture has changed in a matter of months. Um, You see the fight that they put up against Indiana. I mean, that crazy lateral play, I'm not sure if that was called back back or not. But those dudes have a lot of fight. And um, they played a lot better last week than people thought. And fans took that for granted. And it sounds like the team took that for, for uh, granted. If I'm, if I'm wrong, let me know. But, but there was, uh, I think there were some quotes in the post game saying, you know, they were they were focusing on stopping the run against Michigan State, and I found that weird. Like, why are you focusing on stopping the run when Lombardi threw for over 300 yards for over 40 times? Why are you focused on stopping the run? when the run did absolutely nothing against Rutgers. Jordan Simmons was okay, but nothing crazy against Rutgers. Hayward was bad. Collins was bad. But the focus was was on stopping the run. And then Lombardi just airs it out. He threw for over 300 yards. 
But you take those flags into consideration, he might well throw for like 400 or 450. Wild, wild stuff. Um, I just wanted to come out and make like a statement first and just um, just kind of like talk, talk about things, set the stage. And I'll go ahead and invite a few guys in. I know you guys want to uh, speak here. Um, we're bringing Don and Matt, both uh, Michigan guys. Hey, also, 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 if you are up here and you're not talking, make sure your mic is on mute to make sure that the, the person speaking uh, doesn't have, like, loud noises in the background. But um, go ahead. I'll go. Um, hey, 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 what's up, man? Um, yeah, it, it, yesterday was ugly. I think you really hit it on the head. This loss is not like the others. Because the other losses, you can, you can kind of justify. You can understand this loss has just kind of came out of left field. Um, and I, honestly, I really believe that these, that these these young these young kids thought their crap didn't stink, uh, especially after beating Minnesota and playing as well as they did against them, and um, and having their, their their praises being sung by all these national media outlets uh, because the game was on prime time. And um, what we didn't realize is Minnesota was not nearly as good as 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 they um, as they were pinned up this year, and Michigan State was not as bad as they showed last week, and Michigan State came in with something to prove that it's like, you know, like Rocky Four. I'm not sure if I got the scene right, but it's like Apollo Creed that didn't take his training seriously and just kind of goofed around and stuff, and and Drago was was bashing some stuff and he was prepared. And so one team came in as Drago, one team came in as Apollo Creed and Michigan state, you know, ball and his purposes. Uh, I believe Michigan has the um, Michigan is more, it has more like just pure talent at the same time right now, especially with no fans in the stands. Um, and, and really just with COVID football, when you don't have as much time to prepare, you know, you're you're going to I mean, it's it's a lot more unpredictable, and it's going to be who comes with the juice. And Michigan State came with the juice, and um, yeah, that's really all that I have to say. Um, it's shameful, Harbaugh. You know, Har- Harbaugh needs to take a very very long look in the mirror and f- figure out what needs to be done to to possibly right this ship if it can be righted. So yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I'll follow that up. I mean, um, I said the week before when we did the pregame um, about it was like Wednesday or so to take a, to to get to have a team upset like that. Um, like when you're twenty point dogs, you need you need a few things happen to pull off an upset. A one of the two things is a you need to have a really sound. Um, game plan of controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides. Um, limit the not amount of possessions or you have big time players. You see how Ohio State has been beat. Um, Rondell Moore is a perfect example of one of those big time players that, that can just explode and just take over the, the game and, and and you just can't stop them. Um, I I didn't I, I, I didn't see someone from Michigan State doing that, but then we had Ricky White come out 200 receiving yards as a freshman as a freshman against Michigan. I mean, you, Don Brown has to look, look at himself in the mirror 
and be like, what is going on? Because not only that, a hundred over a hundred points scored on him against Ohio State in the past couple of years, and now you have a freshman come in, a three-star freshman, um, let alone come in and have two hundred receiving yards on you in a game, and which could have been even more uh, if 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 uh, the past interferences were um, if we didn't just completely just get fit, only a, take a fifteen-yard penalty to get some give up uh, a forty-yard pass play, but. That's just inexcusable. But then also our defensive line, zero pressure on the quarterback. I mean, that that is supposed to be our, our, our Quiddy Payne, Aiden Hutchinson. That's supposed to be our, our stars on the defense. We had we didn't have a sack, let alone I don't even think we had a hurry on Rocky Lombardi. I mean, he could have sat he sat back there and could have had a picnic throwing some of these balls. And it is truly embarrassing. And that, and I mean that doesn't help the corners where the defense Don Brown plays, he just leaves him on an island. But you, as Don Brown, you have to adjust. When your defense is not getting any pressure, you have to help those corners out and put some safeties over the top. And then on, on the offensive side, Michigan State owned the middle of the offensive line for Michigan, and we could not get a run game going. And so those two things mesh together, that creates a 24-point swing of Michigan was favored by 21, and they lost by three. Um, and I didn't think Michigan State could do it, uh, especially with Mel Tucker. I hats off to him. I mean, he he's had no time in the offseason. Um, and then seven turnovers to zero in one week. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, so I just have to say hats off to, to Mel Tucker and the Michigan State team um for for turning around um in, in a one week span. But I'm also very disappointed in Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the coaches of the lack of preparation that came into this game. I feel like it was kind of like one of those things that they saw Michigan state play last week. They lost to Rutgers. They just came off a win against Minnesota and they just felt like, Oh, they could just walk into the game and and the game was going to be handed to them as long as they showed up on the field. And that's the type of arrogance. And, and, and I saw some videos like they weren't excited for first downs. And it's like, this is your rival. This is a, this is Michigan state. This is for the state championship. And you're not excited for getting the first down. And there's no juice. And, I honestly think that there needs to be a culture change and I don't see it right now. Yeah, I guess I can uh, go next, but I love a lot of the points you guys are making. And I think this all speaks to, you know, the one thing that we've always circled back to and it's, it's coaching. Uh, I've seen a few points made on Twitter about, uh, you know, the one in six with Harbaugh versus MSU and Ohio state at home, which is pathetic. And, you know, one of those is chalked up to one of the craziest plays that we'll possibly ever see in college football. And the other was in a monsoon, and we had John O'Corn at quarterback. You know, what? they weren't the best circumstances, if we're being honest, with a couple of those. But uh, on the other hand, those, like, those huge blowout losses to Ohio State, that's not having your guys ready. I mean, we understand Ohio State's a huge powerhouse, like a massive powerhouse, but if we're being honest, MSU doesn't stack up to Michigan in talent this year, and they compete. And I personally believe that's coaching. Uh, Don, I love the point you made about us kind of seeing how we beat Minnesota in the prime time. You know, MSU handed Rutgers their first win in the Big Ten, and I believe it was three years, which is an insane statistic. But uh, so we see those two things combined together, and uh, like Matt said, you know our guys, you just, know our, could uh, they could walk in and 
uh, just get the W. And that's on coaching, not having his guys prepared, not uh, having the mentality of taking no games lightly. Uh, like you said, we just didn't have a ton of energy. We didn't have the juice out there. And there's just got to be a massive change in culture. There has to be. Because what Michigan is doing right now, Jim Harbaugh promised when he got here, he said, we're going to be competing for national championships. Right now, we're the national lapping stock. That's what Michigan football has become. And I don't understand how boosters look at that and say, that's all right, we'll give them another year. I personally don't understand how they can come to that conclusion. Not to mention, I uh, also heard somewhere that our current athletic director actually played on the football team with Jim Harbaugh. So I don't know what kind of, if there's any politics going on there, I'm not going to make that assumption, but uh, there just has to be a massive coaching change, culture change, everything for Michigan football right now, because we just don't have the energy. Our guys don't have that fire and they just don't have the passion when they're coming out onto the football field to compete in big games. I'm with you there, man. Um, it just feels like the the team kind of just went through the motions as you guys have hit on. And whenever you're going through the motions, you know, not showing that emotional attachment to, to the game when something good happens. In basketball, you don't want to do that because, like, that really affects your shot and it, it affects your focus. But in, a, but in a game like football where, like, you need that juice and you're, you're, you're just going to hit harder, you could do that in football, and you're right. I didn't see it. Uh, if if you guys don't know Nate Lewis, uh, Nate Lewis found a way to watch the game in person, and that was one of the first things he said. He was saying how there's just no excitement. The sideline was dead, going through the motions, and in my opinion, that is a direct that is a direct focus on leadership. Um, the leadership just not there and and that's really unfortunate go ahead uh we're going with brian then we have evan hey guys uh first thanks for jumping on locker room um i think we're focusing on this specific game but i think deep down we know this sort of points to a much bigger problem with michigan what we like to call the michigan way or, or sadly like when we say michigan men and in the in the 15 years that I've been both a student and then an alumni, it seems like being a Michigan man almost means stubbornly sticking to the way we played football in the 70s and 80s and just hoping that one day that will work again with the right personnel and the right players. It's like we're the blockbuster video of college football, hoping that our business model will still work. And on top of that, saying that the only way that we're going to hire a new CEO is if they worked at Blockbuster before. And it's just this consistent failure to adjust to what the opposition is doing. And to me, that's your primary job as a coach, not just to prepare your team week to week in practice, but during the game to adjust to what the opposition is doing. And that came to a very obvious Head a couple of years ago against Ohio State where we thought we might have had a chance that year and we're having a very good year. And they just kept running crossing routes over and over again. And we never adjusted. And Urban Meyer last year on, I forget the name of the show that he's on now because he's not coaching right now, but he was asked straight up how he beat Michigan. 
And his answer, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, yeah, we kept running the play over and over again and they never adjusted. So we just kept doing it. The fact that that's an answer to how you got beat as a coach is embarrassing. And it seems like we just come in with our game plan every week the same way. And most of the time, because we're just bigger, stronger, faster than the majority of the Big Ten and the lesser teams that we play before we get into our Big Ten schedule, we win simply because we, the other team knows what's coming, but we're just stronger than they are. And that's why Harbaugh has a winning record overall at Michigan. But when we play the better teams and we don't adjust to what they're doing, we get hammered. And that's the only reason why this specific loss feels different is it's the first time where we got kind of embarrassed by a team that we were supposed to be stronger and better than, but just weren't. But overall, this just need, uh, we need to just clean out from top to bottom. And I just don't want to hear the word Michigan man again. As much as I love Michigan, to me right now, it just means that we want sort of the old way and we need to just move into the 21st century. And that's all I got to say. Hey guys, thanks for letting me on. Uh, Brian, Brian, you made some great points. Um, it is like you brought up how we are, um, we're just kind of like an annoying, we are the best, we are Michigan. Like, doesn't that mantra get a little old after a while? Because we just, we're the best. We go into Ohio State at 10 and 1 or 11 and 0 and we just get beat to crap every year. Um, it's frustrating for sure. Um, and to build on your point earlier, um, you know, you say it every year, basketball is a game of runs. Football, um, just coming from experience, that is, it's a game of momentum, right? Um, and you could see the momentum building for Michigan State after their defense just got stop after stop after stop. And then we just saw the arrogance and stubbornness of the stat, the Michigan staff that were just like, well, yeah, they're stopping us, but we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it till we get it right. It was kind of like how it felt like, and it was just – it was astonishing to watch because I know a lot of people call it the like Harbaugh's calling plays. And I'm not going to comment on that because I don't have information if that's true or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jim maybe is in Gaddis's ear saying, Hey, we're going to rely on the defense or something. We want to manage the clock, maybe keep it to where we get the ball last kind of a thing. That's kind of what it felt like. I'm not sure though, because obviously I don't have all the information, but the just the stubbornness of the program is really frustrating to watch because you know we see like you said uh brian about the house state game they just run crossing routes after crossing routes in the past four years and we just get obliterated right i i don't know you know jim always talks about reevaluating at the end of the year is it is it ward manuals time do we need to reevaluate the program at the end of the year i think so that's got to start with Ward. And, you know, uh, I think Ed Edward uh, talked about how Ward played with uh, Jim back in the day. That is true. I think Ward was a defense. He was offensive defensive line, one of the two. But, um, yeah, it's it's time for reevaluation. Um, and they really need to think deep and get away from the Michigan band mantra because I think it's a little bit old and outdated. And what message does it send your team when you have goal to go from the four and you pull out your quarterback? You're basically saying that you feel like you need a trick play to score, in my opinion. Like those kind of trick plays should be reserved for you think a team is way better than you and you know you're going to have to pull a few rabbits out of a hat, so to speak, to, to catch them off guard. Or 
maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum, a trick play is for when the other team's demoralized from previous play and you just want to go for the jugular. But in general, this idea that from four yards out, you feel like you can't score unless you run the wildcat. Like, really? That's like, we're, we're praying for creativity from this offense. And the one time we see it is in the most ridiculous situation. And it just, it just seems so bizarre. And I, they, our team did sort of look like they weren't excited for this game, but I do wonder if that play, like how that felt on the sideline when you're looking and your quarterback's not in and you need to score. It's, it was just so strange. Oh, absolutely, brother. Um, Brian, you, Brian, all y'all spitting fire, man, especially you, Brian. Um, but yeah, um, that's what got me. The I like the, the Wildcat has been effective, but that's a first and goal inside the five type play. You're running on first down. If it don't work, you bring the personnel back out. This is what they did last year against Michigan State. You know when when Shea threw the second touchdown pass. You know get. Now watch the you know, I watch that film. It's but on third down, you you put your you put your quarterback in that way. They have to they have to stay true to the to the run and the pass because Joe's a threat for both. But they sold out to the run. Haskins didn't have the best jump pass, and Simmons got it. Got his, you know, his, his finger nail on the ball. It, it's just a, it's it's sent a terrible message. And honestly, ultimately, that's one of the plays that costs us the game. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's, yeah, and it, it just an overall cultural shift needs to be made. Just how, the, just how seismic Bow was back in 1969. We need somebody else to kind of reestablish a new Michigan culture. Keep what was good. Get rid of what's bad, man. It's just, I, I just, I just, I don't, I, I, I've been, I've been a, a very big hardball defender the past few years. Um, I mean, people always kind of bring up like, oh, they didn't fire him. He's not, he's not winning the championship. And it's like, he's still winning like 10, 10 games a year. Like he, like he's, he's won, he's been one win away from really, like, going to the college football playoff two two years now. Um, and uh, honestly, like, you you see that and you're like, I, I see that. I'm like, all right, like, he's right there. Like, he just needs to make a few changes to, like, to get over that hump. But, like, he never is – like, it's, it's, it's year six now and he's still not making those changes to try to get over the hump. And, like, he, the one thing that's been saving him is he hasn't had that bad loss. I mean, like, He's, I mean, he's had losses where we've been favored, but like, those are those are losses where like you can go back and see like, okay, like yeah, like like Ant said before, like those are games like yeah, we can see them losing there. Like it wasn't like like before this week, no one at Michigan was like even thought about losing this game. I mean, Michigan State just gave Rutgers their first win. Michigan just blew out a 11 win Minnesota team from the year before. And it's like going into this game, you're like, there's no way we're losing, and the stubbornness, it's just kind of getting old. I think it's to a point where uh, the thing that will save Harbaugh's job this year is if he beats Ohio State. But if he, if he doesn't, I mean, like, I, I think that Michigan really needs to look themselves deep and make the change before recruiting goes down the hill. I mean, there's so many times where, where, where schools hang on to their coach and, and then, I mean, look at Michigan State. I mean, they, they just beat us, but D'Antonio's last few years recruiting was horrendous. And now they're they're in a stage where they don't have much talent at all. I say you kind of need to go look 
while your recruiting classes are still looking good, bring someone in who can maintain that recruiting and, and then you're still smoothing, uh, riding smooth in terms of the talent you're bringing in. And hopefully they can also bring a culture. And I just hope our boosters this time around give whoever's next more time than Rich Rock got, because that was going to be a complete shift in the way we play football. Yes. And, we and the thing didn't that didn't help Rich Rod is Lloyd Carr was forced to stay. He didn't want to stay, but he was forced to stay, and the recruiting went to crap. They kept him around for too long, and the recruiting went to crap, and then Rich Rod inherited a really awful team. And so yeah, he but wasn't it, it, able it's his to do chance anything. to rebuild. I mean, he his yeah. record every season was better than the year before, which is all you can ask for. No, no, no. And I, I, that's why I'm defending him. Like, like, but that's why I'm saying Harbaugh. Like, we really need to evaluate Harbaugh this year because if we keep him around longer, it can be a, another Lloyd Carr situation where the recruiting goes to crap, and then all of a sudden your next coach is left with nothing. Yeah, I think I think just the, the main thing is you have to be careful. Um, I mean, of course, I'm I'm not against you know, looking for a, a brand new direction. I'm not against that at all. You know, I'm a big hardball guy, but I'm not against that at all. But what they have to be, they have to be careful to make sure they bring in the right person. Cause I think Nebraska is a cautionary tale. You know, Bo Pelini was winning 10 games a year at Nebraska and they make the change to Mike Riley and then to Scott Frost and they've been bad. So as bad as things are right now from a Michigan standpoint, they can be worse. So if you're gonna if you're going to make the change, it needs to be someone that can eat that can for the meantime keep this keep the ship afloat and then take it to that next level. You need that's what you need. Cause if you cause if you go because one thing is I would hate for us to get a guy like you know I'm going pro, but Matt Patricia, you know from Jim Caldwell. Now we say, oh Jim Caldwell was so great, but you know if y'all get y'all get what I'm saying. One hundred percent, man. Um, just want to go back and uh, and uh, touch on some great points. Uh, Brian, you made a great point. Uh, that Urban quote is not being talked about enough. Where he was asked, you know, how do you beat Michigan? And the fact that he had enough balls to say that on national television is wild. And the fact that he could say that just tells me how true it is because we see that all the time. And saying that he ran the same play and they never adjusted, we saw exactly that. And he didn't sugarcoat it. Um, Also, pointing to this game – and, you know, saying, you know, hey, this has been around for a while of people unsure if, you know, Jim is the guy. Um, I think, yes, it has been around for a while, but it takes this type of loss to really push people over the edge. The people who were like myself, I was very in that one of the last ones, like, hey, look, just like Matt said, two games away from a Big Ten title appearance and a CFP appearance, two games away. 2016, with that stud of a team, you know, you are one, you know, you are one, you know, one inch away, whether they call it right or not, that last spot, one inch away from beating Ohio State and going to the Big Ten title game. 
one of those years, they would have gotten Northwestern. The other one, I believe, was Wisconsin. Even if you go one and one, you have a Big Ten title in your first five years, and you have a CFP appearance in your first five years. The program from that point forward changes for a long, long time, but it didn't happen. Um, the Michigan man mantra, uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think the, I think, I think you guys are right. And what you hear when you hear Michigan man is super outdated and all the wrong reasons, um, you know, just, it's just not, it's like nails on a chalkboard at this point. Like, okay, shut up. I don't care if this is a Michigan man, an, an Oklahoma man, a, uh, an African man, an Antarctican man. I don't care. Just freaking get the job done. Um, Matt Stack asked a really great question, and I kind of want to pivot to that. Um, why does Don Brown not change up his scheme in games where his DBs are getting torched? Did you guys see safeties over the, you know, helping out over top? Like you said, Matt, um, there were there were not only zero sacks, but I want to say there were zero hurries. The one time they really hit Lombardi was when he got out of the pocket and Hutchison chased him down after like a four or five yard gain. So, what are what are your true feelings about this whole Don Brown? It's the uh, same way I feel about the other about Harbaugh. It seems like he wins simply because his players are usually more talented than the opposition. So even though the other team knows what we're going to do, most of the time they just can't get through it. And then when we face the equally talented or better teams, he gets smoked. And that's what's so frustrating is he gets talked up every year when we go through this you know, 9-0 and record playing teams that are inferior to us until we actually meet a worthy opponent. And then he gets crushed the same way every year for not adjusting. And we then go into the next year like, we'll get him next time. And it's the same pattern. Yeah, I've gotten a chance to to, um, to talk football with Don Brown. He is I, – I absolutely love the guy personally. Um, he's very passionate, very candid. He, he Basically, whatever you see – him on TV, that's who, that's who he is. He's very authentic. The issue is Don Brown's very stubborn. Don Brown knows one way to play. You know, in 2016, you know, in 2016, 2018, up until the Ohio State game in 2018, I mean, Michigan had the personnel to play against these types of offenses and just crush them, you know. But at the same time, right now, we're not from an experience and a depth standpoint. We're not there. We can't. I mean, Vince, Vincent Gray and Javon Green are not corners that can play on an island at this point in their career, if not ever. So you have to have safety help. And then also the other issue is um, guys like Brad Hawkins aren't aren't playing like the seniors that they are. Uh, just yeah, it, whatever they do play the zone coverage. You cannot Brad Hawkins. You cannot let that. Let this kid who's burned you for a hundred plus yards. You cannot let him behind that guy. You've got to be. You've got to be on top of him. It's just the things like that, man. He he's very stubborn. He even made a comment yesterday. He said that the minute you told me not to be aggressive is the minute that I'm done. 
And right now, I love him. He's a great dude. He's fun to talk to and all that. It's just right now, it just seems like um, we don't have we don't have the personnel to be able to do what what he, his heart desires to do right now. And I think that's where the problem is. Don, you, made, you make a great point. It's recognizing your personnel. We are playing very inexperienced players in the secondary right now. I know Vincent Gray played all last year, but he also played behind – well, I shouldn't say play behind, but he played next to Ambry Thomas, and then you had a front seven who could get to the quarterback on any given down. Problem was, your front four is not getting to the quarterback at all. And to those who are saying Don Brown needs to play more zone, by the way, he we are more we're fifty fifty zone right now. It's the plays that we get the big plays that we get burned. We're caught in man. I think, and you have to give all the credit to MSU on this. They recognized when White or Naylor or uh, Reed um, were singled up versus Green or Gray, and they caught them. They caught them out. When Dax Hill was on a guy, you know, and it was in situational ball, you kind of saw Mel Tucker go conservative, but he also knew that his defense was kicking, at, kicking butt, right? So for Don Brown, though, we have to – why are we not recognizing our personnel? Why are we – you know, or maybe we're just not that good of a defense this year. Can we can we maybe admit that as a as a coaching staff? What can we do to improve? Um, I don't know, but I think you saw in the second half, especially, and it sucked because Cameron Girl went down. But we went to more of a four-two-five look and even a three-three-five. Um, we had more DBs on a on the field because. Makari Page, I think, played free safety almost the entire second half because we had to move Dax Hill to nickel. Um, so there's an adjustment, but you still couldn't stop them. So it's, we need to get better at making multiple adjustments on the fly rather than going into halftime. Okay. This is what they're doing. Here's what we're going to do the entire second half and go from there. I I don't know. Ashley, what's up? Uh, Ashley, what's up? Uh, I know that you had, Join us a little bit later here. I appreciate you coming on. Anything to say? Uh, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for welcoming me into the chat. I I think I clearly, as a Michigan fan, um, share the all the frustrations that all the gentlemen before me have have shared. Um, especially on the defensive side. Um, I guess I, I challenge the assertion that we don't have more talent. At least I don't think the talent differential was a factor in this game. So I do think it was the sets that we were in creating like almost ways in which we were stashing defensive people to be in plays in places that they were ineffective. And I don't think that we, we play to our strengths though. So I certainly agree with those perspectives. I think we consistently see that. And I do think that, I don't know if Don Brown needs to be up in the booth or something or what, because it just, it does seem like there's no real adjustments that are made. Um, I also saw other coaching errors, like where was that play we should have challenged that we didn't challenge. And, and to me, that's just a lack of professionalism that I'm seeing across the board, especially even it seemed me in some ways that, um, that Joe Milton didn't seem confident in the play calling that was going on or like it was, he was kind of disheveled sort of towards the last minute. But I don't understand, I think, as a fundamental thing is, 
why we are struggling so much at just winning the line on both sides of the ball. Because to me, if there's one thing that we should dominate at and that we have historically, even in the periods where we weren't as great unskilled positions, we always focused on the line. And that was a tough um, place for us. And we usually could establish supremacy there. And we couldn't get any pass rush or pass protection really yesterday. And I'm just wondering, why do you all think that was? I'm with you right there, Ash. Um, The line was atrocious on both sides. They pressured Joe. um, They stuffed the run. And on the other side, they ended up, you know, not touching Lombardi much. And um, that, that, that was really, really strange. But I know, Brian, you're about to speak, so I'll let you. Yeah, it was a couple of things. First, I, I agree with Ashley, just the assertion of our talent level. I mean, you turn on the TV right now during these NFL games, you can see Michigan players starting, some of them in their first season. Like Chase Winovich is running around for the Patriots right now. Bush went out with a knee injury last week, but he was starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So these guys, it's not like this was 10 years ago they were on our team. And somehow still, and, and that kind of goes back to my point of we win with this the fact that we actually have talent is the reason that I think we're winning despite coaching, not making adjustments. And then I just also wanted to touch on Ant's point where you feel like this loss maybe is the one that causes a change. I I was in, it was my senior year. I was in the big house when we lost to app state. And that seemed to be like, obviously it's one of the most embarrassing losses in the history of college football. And that was sort of the tipping point for, for Lloyd Carr. And I just wish that it didn't take these ridiculous losses or sticking with these old ways for so many years before someone realizes they're a problem. Like you said, and that quote from Urban Meyer, like that drives me insane and more people aren't talking about it. That was several years ago. To me, that's a fireable offense right there. When, when your biggest rival, much less any coach says they beat you simply because you didn't adjust. So they just ran the same thing over and over again. Like that's your job. And if you can't do that job, then you need to to step down and then we need to give someone else an opportunity. It's an indictment for for sure. Um, let's go with Ed next. I know that he had he had asked to uh, come on next. Then we'll go with AK and then you. Hey, so uh, a ton of great points being made. I love how we're really focusing on defense right now because I feel like that's been a huge issue over the last few years, especially we see it with Ohio State. That quote is absurd. It should have been a massive red flag to anybody Michigan football related at the time that Jim Harbaugh needed to go immediately. But to me, uh, two things for me just overall. I think we always play down to our competition and we never play up to the moment as the second point. Those are two huge things. And what I mean by that is we've seen it in a few places. I don't remember exactly what year it was when we played Indiana, but we went to, I think, two OTs that game and we ended up winning, but we had to stop them on a two-point conversion at the end of the game and that was how we won. But That, that That was 2015. That was Jim Harbaugh's first year. Okay. Okay. So, but the point I'm making there is we, we, we didn't seem ready. Indiana played a great game that game, but we didn't seem ready and we didn't play up to the strengths that we had. Another time we saw it was against Iowa and I believe Wilton Spate was our quarterback. Uh, 
just another example of Michigan not playing to their strengths. They were stubborn the whole game, if I remember correctly. They were consistently trying to run. It was not working, and we refused to really take shots downfield. But one thing I wanted to transition to was offense, because I personally feel offense is an even bigger issue than defense, because we have seen dominant uh, Michigan defenses in recent years. And uh, offensively, though, I feel like we never utilize our weapons. We never utilize our weapons. This year, primarily, we have strong running backs that are deep, and we have a quarterback that resembles Derrick Henry and can absolutely truck people, not to mention he has a cannon of an arm. So why don't we run more read option type plays? Why don't we take more shots downfield? That's one thing. And uh, in other years past, we had uh, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, and we still wouldn't take many shots downfield. We always want to run these out routes with our tight ends and go for the checkdowns that give us five or six, yard, five or six yards and burn the clock and play the slow game when we have weapons that would allow us to put up 50 burgers on just about anybody that we choose to. So I guess my points uh, in summary are we play down to our competition. We never play up to the moment. We see that with MSU just, you know, yesterday and in years past with uh, Ohio State. And on offense, we never seem to utilize our weapons. We always are stubborn. We want to do stuff the exact same way, no matter what our personnel is. And, you know, we saw it a few times against Minnesota where Joe ran the read option and it was successful. So I don't understand why they refuse to run plays like that. Uh, But that's really all I Um, Can I respond to that, Ant, quick? Okay. So that those are some great points. Um, one thing to consider, um, especially when you're talking about our downfield passing, is we we have a super young receiver core. This is where not having Nico. Obviously, if we had Nico Collins, that would be just a game changer in itself. Um, but we don't have a. I don't think we have a reliable downfield threat yet because. For freshman wide receivers coming into the game, they're basically learning the position, not completely over, but route running, separation, all that are key things for a wide receiver to be successful in college. And some of these guys, I just don't think have it yet. Um, Inconsistency is a big thing too. I mean, they, if you guys watch the broadcast, Eric all is just being raved by everybody and he has three drops on the air. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, drop the guy or anything because I think he's going to be a really great player. It's just, they're young, they're inconsistent, they're inexperienced. And it, there's like too much of a high balloon on them, right? Like there, there's too much of an ego. So that's like my quick reply. Ricky white has uh, to disagree with you. On that <laughs> I know. For me. I, I know. Some dudes are just studs right off the bat. But... When was the last time that we had a quarterback that we were legitimately excited about, that we thought could play at the level of the teams that consistently make the college football playoffs? Like, I don't I don't remember ever. And I think we talk about our wide receivers being young, but every year we play Ohio State, I think deep down we look at the quarterback on the other side and realize that they're far more talented than a quarterback that we've had on our team almost ever. And I don't know if that's a recruiting thing. I don't know if that's kids watching Michigan and being like, why would I want to play there, to be honest? But 
Um, that to me, I mean, it all has to start at quarterback. A lot of it's a lot of it's scheme as well. Um, you know, a lot of it's scheme, and also people. People, a lot of people gloss over quarterback and say quarterback, 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 but people don't realize that even with those the weapons that you all mentioned last year, we were 128 in the country out of 130 in, in drop passes. So, I, I mean, I think, it, I think it goes back to scheme and it goes back to coaching. I mean, we dropped, I think we, last year against Ohio State, we dropped 12 passes. And, and I think in our quarterback had 300 yards passing. It's just a, a, lot, we, it's a lot of his coaching. And I think and I'm, I'm basically saying something very unpopular, but I think Jim Jim overcorrected by going to Gaz's system because I mean, what should I call it? Pep Hamilton's system was 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 not inefficient. It's just the tempo wasn't there to score with the best team. So we were ten and one going to Ohio State. So if they, so, I know that if we add a, a tempo component to that and keep the same system in place, then we're because we're still. In year two, a lot of our players are still running around like it's a Chinese fire drill. I mean, the, the we even with one of the catches we made yesterday, we had I think Giles Jackson and Mike Sainer still literally within on within like literally in the same area, but with like two two yards apart from each other, where one or the other could have caught the ball. Spacing's a problem, and I think once again it goes back to coaching. It's just we're not getting them. We're not getting the most out of the talent that we have. Because I said we have we, we we haven't lacked talent at quarterback, but it's really just come down to really scheme and coaching, and this obsession with we got to run the football, we got to run, we got to run. Hey, I just want to go really quick off of uh, what Brian was saying, uh, with the quarterback situation. You know, Jim Harbaugh when he came in, he was supposed to be this so culper, if I'm not mistaken, and. Personally, this is probably a very unpopular opinion, but I feel the best quarterback we have had in the Jim Harbaugh era, not necessarily the best talent-wise, but performed the best and exceeded expectations, was Jake Rudock. And that's really... Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, but... You're tell, saying all my stats, but that was an anomaly, though. Like, you gotta, you got to put some context on that. Yeah, and also, people forget that Shea played... Oh, Last year, half the season last year with a torn oblique, so that that hurt him because Shea in, in twenty eighteen was very efficient and, and and did and did well. He did what he needed to do, especially with the way the defense was playing. So, I mean, Jake Rudock came on late, but so it, yeah, uh, yeah. So we just of course got. I mean, but do we think that? Do we think that we Harbaugh is just not a quarterback whisperer? Like we maybe he just that was just a fluke. Maybe that's the case. Doesn't seem I like have something on that. I have something on that that I'm going to talk about here. Um, but I do want to get to AK and then back to Matt. Um, uh, but I trust me, it's really, really juicy. So um, go ahead and make your points, and then I'll come back to that quarterback whisper. Woo! How's everybody doing on this Sunday? Uh, there's a lot that you guys covered that. Um, I was kind of going to talk about too, but um, I don't know. It, it's it's just frustrating to watch, as, as you guys mentioned, like some of the lack of adjustments that we continue to see in not necessarily just the losses, but the, the bigger losses, like your losses against Ohio State, your losses against Michigan State. Um, you know, I, I felt like yesterday was a very, I know everybody thought like with the spread and everything that 
Michigan was going to blow Michigan State's barn doors off. I never really thought that was going to happen. I never really felt comfortable um, because I just didn't think State was as bad, as, as funny as it was to watch them lose to Rutgers. I didn't think that they were seven turnovers on the regular type bad. And I felt like yesterday's game at the line of scrimmage is where the game was won and lost. Our offensive line probably is around dead even compared to their defensive line, but it felt like a very D'Antonio-esque game plan on defense where he took away the A-gaps, which is where we ran with a lot of success against Minnesota. Well, we pretty much ran wherever we wanted against Minnesota, but yesterday against State, they filled the A-gaps and the B-gaps pretty well, and the outside runs were open, but they really didn't take advantage of it. And the outside pass plays, the shorter routes were open, but they didn't take advantage of it. I know, Ant, you always call it <laughs> uh, Josh Scam Artist. I like to call, it, call him Fraudist because we really haven't seen him come through with a good game plan in games that they have to win. And this yesterday was one of those games that they have to win. And on the defensive side, I know, um, I forget who it was, um, who said that they're running about 50-50 zone versus man with Don Brown. That was me, and I pulled that from an article by either uh, Austin Meek or Nick Baumgunner. So, yeah, and, and, I, and I no, it's fine. Um, and I think that it was – I had read something similar as well. It probably could have been the same source, but, um, but a lot of it, I think, with Don Brown is situational. Like, yeah, he does run zone. He's running zone a lot more than he used to in the past. I agree. I don't know, I don't know if it's a comfort level thing of when to pull it out and when not, it, it kind of seems like he just doesn't know when to use it. Like yesterday, I think, um, I think it was the second half when we had pinned them deep on a, on a pretty good punt. Um, I think we got him to third and long or second and long. And all you have to do is keep the guy in front of you, make the tackle and force him to punt. And you have good field position and you have a chance to take the lead. And he runs blitz. He brings pressure because he wasn't getting any pressure with his front four. So he goes back to his old stuff. He brings pressure and they got burned. They got burned for a first down. And he did the same thing last year against Ohio state when the game was still pretty close. They got him in a, I think it was like a third and it was really long third and over 15, I think because of, because of penalties and he brought pressure and boom, they got burned. And I think Ohio State either scored or got it into the into the uh, inside the ten. And it's just these same trends that we just keep seeing over and over and over. And it's for me, it's it that's the frustrating part about it. So I'll, I'll let somebody, <laughs> I'll let somebody else go ahead and. and yeah, I think uh, I think Michigan uh, just got stopped on no gain up the middle again, but um on a run, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's why, I mean, that's, it's just, it was so predictable. And the, the, the thing that the, you have to break those trends. And if you keep doing those trends over and over again, teams are just going to start teeing up on you and start knowing exactly what play you're going to run. And 
Um, that's one thing that I think Don Brown, like you, I get you might run 50% zone, 50% man, but disguise it, disguise the zone, disguise the man, make the offense question what they're going to be going up against. And I, I feel like, I feel like yesterday, Michigan State was not confused of what defense Michigan was going to run the whole game. It might have changed up throughout the game, but I don't think they were confused of, are we going to be in zone this time? Or are we going to be in man, like before the snap? I think they knew exactly what they're, what Michigan was going to be in before the snap. There was no disguise. And I think that you need, especially if you're, especially if you're not getting pressure in the game, you need to start trying to confuse the quarterback with your coverages. Because if you don't do that, then he's just going to sit back there. He knows exactly where he's going to throw the ball before the snap, and he doesn't have to think at all. Um, so it's it's tough. I mean, I I think Michigan's at a point where it's like um, the other thing that I wanted to touch at is like why I love Jawan Howard is he brings that he's a Michigan man, but he brings that swagger with him. He brings that 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 freestyle and that 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 nice little pop and he'll let you shine and I think that's where you see some of these other teams is that that are excelling they let their quarterback kind of do their thing they let their quarterback go out there and, and kind of like ball out and have some swagger um and Michigan I, I just always felt like we've always limited what our quarterback can do we always like hey you got to control the game you can't turn over the ball and it just kind of makes them think twice about where they're going to go with the ball. And like, I can't turn the ball over because that's what my coaches say. And I, I can't, I can't make some plays because I got, I got to make sure I'm, I'm being safe. I think that you really just kind of, especially Joe Mellon, the athlete he was, the athlete he is, is you've got to let him ball out. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, all right. Gonna go back to what Ed said. He brought up how Harbaugh was the quarterback whisperer. Um, it's in. It's very interesting. So late last night, I got a direct message, and it said, "Hey, pretty much said, hey, look this guy up, and you know, you tell me who the quarterback whisperer is." So <laughs> this dude was at Stanford working with the offense when Andrew Luck was there. That same dude was the 49ers offensive coordinator when Kaepernick was there between 2011 and 2014. Great Roman? Yep. Then Jim left for Michigan. Then he is currently the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson wins an MVP. You tell me who is probably the quarterback whisperer, but who took credit for it? I'll just let that happen. I'll just I think let there were been facts, facts, facts. I there were people. Greg so Roman. There were people. Was, push- was bored during this off season? I thought I'm almost or not this this off season. The past off season before Gaddis. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Greg. Yeah, but he wasn't going to take him away from his brother though. Um, the thing, here's the thing, um, here's the thing, I think, like I said, the whole Gaddish thing was a, mis- was a mistake, because it overhauled everything, you know, I just think they just really just got got themselves out of rhythm, and just kind of threw it all away when they all needed to make some tweaks, so I think 
Jim really overcorrected with that because I think I think they had something good with Pep Hamilton, especially when you had a functional quarterback because he because in twenty seventeen he had the quarterback carousel. When you had a steady when you had a steady hand, the offense was very efficient. It just need, we just needed to add tempo to it. And I just think going to this spread system because we played a spread system in twenty nineteen with players, namely receivers that were built for um, built for the pro style offense. So in, in this system, you need quick twitch guys. They, they have these guys now, like like Roman Wilson and, and AJ Henning, but they're young. And so it, I just think I just think it's just taking it's just taking a much longer time for everything to really set in. And I just don't know how much patience we have, and I don't know if we can really get things figured out before you know things would start to implode this year. That's here's what I'm saying though. You have a guy who was the offensive coordinator of two quarterbacks who were like, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, but let's, let's be real. He's a subpar quarterback. Look at Kaepernick. Let's be real. Subpar quarterback. Took them both to a Super Bowl. It, this is making me feel like, you know, Jim is subpar without Greg Roman. And I think that's why people were pushing so far for him. And I think Greg Roman, I think Greg Roman is one of the few people in the football world where Jim will leave him the hell alone. And Greg and Greg will tell is someone who could tell Jim to shut the hell up. And Jim will be like, okay, and go about his business. Because he respects him like that. That's good. And oh, you going down? You going down? No, I've been talking. I was just gonna ask. Um, you know, we call him Josh, and you like to call him Josh Scamarvis. But here's my question: Would Josh Gaddis potentially be a better coordinator without Jim Harbaugh in his ear or on the staff? Probably. Yes, we all say yes. Everybody says what I've been saying. <laughs> Probably, yeah. What'd you say, Ed? Um, Go ahead. What'd you say, Ed? Ed? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that's kind of a point I've been trying big say in what's going on, both not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side as well, because it's always a consistency to not make adjustments, but we have different offensive coordinators filtering in and out. You know, Don Brown, he's been pretty consistently here. But it's the offensive coordinators. They always get blamed. They're always the scapegoats. That's what happens. You know, they come in from outside programs where spread offenses are run, and it's very efficient, and they put up a ton of points. But then all of a sudden they come to Michigan, and we're running a pro-style offense, and it's run, run, pass. That's a check down. That's not what they were running at their outside programs. That's not what they were running where they came from. So that just leads me to think, that it's really Harbaugh that's in everybody's ear, and he's the one truly dictating what's going on. But do you think that, that – I mean, Josh Gaddis obviously has a lot of direct connections to speak on himself, and I think the issue is is we're not really hearing anything from Josh Gaddis. And what we are hearing, what we heard this season, was that we were going to have a great offense that was going to be uniquely tailored to Michigan's special talent and going to be designed to be resilient and to perform and to produce. And it was going to highlight a quarterback that was going to be showcased. And we haven't seen that. 
So I just want to know what happened because from what they said consistently, every single time they talked about the Michigan offense, how it was going to look, they said we were going to see shots downfield. They said we were going to see a return to like a more like dynamic style of offense that allowed like Joe Milton to really showcase his unique abilities. And they said that we were going to highlight our receivers so that we could attract new talent next year. What happened? I agree with that, Ash. I agree with that 100%. Um, here's the thing. I think, um, they miss, they miss Nico a lot. And right now our big receiver is Ronnie Bell and he's not that big. So we don't have someone where we could throw up a a 50, 50 ball to like, like a Nico or even Tarek was like, what? Six, four. We don't have anybody big. We have these little speed guys who could not get open yesterday. That's because they don't throw the ball down the field, though. It's like it's a self fulfilling prophecy. That's the reason why somebody like Nico is like, Yeah, peace out on y'all. Because why am I going to come there and not even get the ball? Right. Like, Go ahead, Evan. It, it, we got to start throwing the ball downfield to keep these big guys in our midst. This is that is the core of Michigan football. That is a part that I want to retain. I'm with you there. I, I was just going to say, um, in response to not throwing the field down, uh, throwing the ball down the field. I mean, yesterday when Milton dropped back more than five steps, what was the most consistent thing? He was getting pressured. In his face. And if he he wasn't getting pressured, if he even felt an ounce of it, and I don't blame him because, I mean, I'm not a quarterback. I don't know what that's like. But the minute he felt an ounce of pressure, he was bailing out of the pocket because he had been getting hit all day. So I think that was unfortunately one of the biggest reasons why we couldn't throw down the field. And then on top of that, no offense to Mike Sanders still, but why is five foot eight Mike Sanders still running a go route? Yeah, not, you know someone else. I'm not- and, yeah, and one thing, great. Yeah, and one um, thing with Joe right now, and his he, Joe is still a work in progress. He he came in very raw. He wasn't one of those guys that went to all these quarterback camps. He's totally raw, and he's he's really grown a lot since he's been at Michigan. The thing right now with Joe is he, whenever he does bail. You know, he his eye, he doesn't put his eyes down the field because our quarterback last year, even though he he loved to get out of the pocket and, and move around, that's kind of his style. His eyes were down the field, so that's what Joe needs to work on. If you're going to get outside the pocket, look down, keep your eyes down the field, and that way you can you can do a quick flick of the wrist and let that thing go. So I think that's what he needs to do if he's going to leave the pocket. But yeah, I think the big que- the big answer to why we're not throwing the ball down the field is twofold. A Joe's not. Joe didn't get enough time yesterday. And B, we don't have anyone just yet that can get downfield with that separation. I think Roman Wilson is that guy, but he's still learning and growing because he's got four three speed. He's six two. He he can be someone like that. But it's just like I said, it's 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 a young quarterback with a young offensive line and young receivers that are learning a very complex offense. But and with that's that why last drive, time. though, do you, what do you feel like that did to his psyche, like how they had him handcuffed like that? Don't you think they could have just taken the handcuffs off for the last drive at least? Like just let that, was Michi- that was Michigan State strategy. They, were, they basically said you can have whatever you want underneath, and Joe kept taking it. Because that's in Tim taking it, the, the clock just drained away by the time we got in the end zone. That was by design. They, play, they, had, they were playing, I think, two or three deep to a point where you could, where if you were going to throw the ball down the field, it would have had to have been like a 50 50 ball. And like we've been saying earlier, that we don't have anyone on our, our roster right now that can go up and get those. 
credit okay, MSU. So, uh, they, re- they did great. Oh, okay. So uh, real quick though. Uh, to your point, Don, about how Joe would scramble outside of the pocket a lot whenever he felt pressure. That's one thing I saw a lot in his uh, high school highlights for his recruiting. Uh, He was really good, though, at getting outside of the pocket and scrambling. And this is kind of the point I was trying to make earlier about Michigan not utilizing their weapons. They're trying to turn Joe Milton into a quarterback that he's not. They're trying to make him into someone – that's just going to drop back in the pocket, run a few set plays. You know, they're going to same formation, same style every time. I don't understand why they refuse to utilize his speed, his power, his size. I mean, this dude is a mountain. He's what, 6'5", like 250 or 260? Who up front for MSU is really going to – but we refuse to go to it. We didn't run any options. We didn't run – design plays for Milton. And that's what I mean by we are failing our players. We are failing to utilize their talent every single year. And I hate And I I think that that goes back to my point. I think Harbaugh limits the ability of of, of the quarterbacks and he doesn't let them ball out. He doesn't let them have that swagger. It's like, I feel like they're being told when you roll out the pocket, you got to look for that check down that's coming across to you. You're not like, I feel like a lot, you see Joe Burrow, when he rolls out of the pocket, he's still looking deep. He's still looking to make a play deep. And like a lot of times those, those plays break down and you can get a guy open deep over the middle. And it's like, those are what championship teams do. They let their quarterback when they get out of the pocket and, and, and plays break down, they let them, Go deep. And I feel like that's what Michigan has limited their quarterbacks in doing. I mean, him and Shea. Um, and that's something, uh, going back to Devin Gardner, is Devin Gardner was not a pocket quarterback. When he was at his best, he was rolling out of the pocket and making plays like that. But Michigan refused to change their offense to let him continually roll out of the pocket throughout the game. I mean, most of the times he was rolling out of pockets because the, 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 the pocket collapsed. But if you design plays to let the quarterback roll out of pocket, maybe a play-action bootleg pass is where he's he's faking the handoff and he's rolling out to to his right where he can fling a ball 60 yards down the field still. It's like you need to utilize what is there for you. And there's um, – That's a great point, Matt. And um, I was gonna, I'm going to respond to both you and Ed uh, quick. Ed, I agree that we, we don't – utilize our playmakers enough however and yesterday is a i feel like a testament to this i feel like we try to spread the ball around too much if that makes sense it's great that we got four guys that can run the ball but to me um and i know he gets made fun of it for a lot but hassan haskins was finally reading holes correctly yesterday and blake corum i know he's a true freshman that dude ran around the entire defense for a touchdown. For, and it was only 10 yards, but that dude literally ran around a DB. That's speed, you know. And I'm not, you know, trying to downplay Chris Evans or Zach Sharpenade. They're going to help us win some games this year. But it's kind of like the hot hand, so to say, you know, like in basketball. You go to the hot hand a little bit, ride him a little bit. Um, and then to Matt, you know, you brought up the Juwan Howard point, And I know Ant made this 
in a point of this in one of his, I believe it was in your podcast, Ant. You said how you love how Juwan just lets his players play. Um, even if they make mistakes, he doesn't like bench them for it or any of that. It's kind of a, you, you figure, I don't want to say figure it out as you go, but you learn from your, you learn from your mistake on the fly and you improve from that. And I feel like Jim doesn't do that enough. He hinders, like you said, Matt, he hinders his quarterback player limits it or even any other position we can think of. You know, there's something, something's being held back, right? Kansi, what's up, man? Go ahead. What's up, Ant? Um, Evan, I think you made a great point about Haskins and Corum. I think those those two should be the running backs going forward. Like, um, Charbonnet doesn't really add anything that some combination of Haskins or Corum can't do. Um, but also, I just wanted to jump in a little bit and say that I don't think Joe Milton is actually, like, a good runner, like, naturally. Um like, he didn't really run in high school, <laughs> like, just because he's tall and, like, a little bit fast and big. Like, I don't think that actually makes him a good runner. He's very uh, north and south. I'm with you. Yeah. Guys. Yeah, he's, like, I actually don't want to see him run, like, read option 20 times a game, right? Like, there's not much upside. He's not he getting around he, people. He doesn't need to run it 20 times a game, but oh, in the totally, spread yeah. offense, they need to have it. They need to have that threat there. You know? Yeah, and you see you see some stuff where they they run, like, some design runs. They pull alignment right. for him, um, and, like, that's enough to, like, keep the, the defense honest, I feel like. Like, there's – Right. Yeah, I, I don't like – the amount of running that he's done so far is, like, good, I think. Yeah. Like, it I shouldn't be too much more. They went away, I was surprised they went away from the pin-pull – uh, plays especially and I know we I think Ashley brought it up when we went to the wildcat inside the five that is a perfect I feel like scenario for their pin pull play with Milton because he's yeah. a big dude he's gonna lean forward big friend like I, I mean I don't know he ain't trucking people over per se but he's gonna get you in or at least I think he's trucking people over I mean that, there you saw the the one fourth and eight play where he got outside the pocket he lowered his shoulder and got an extra three, four yards from it and got the first down. I mean, like he, yeah, that's true. He's a he's a Cam Newton quarterback where he's going to be tough to tackle. It doesn't matter who you are. He's going to be a hard tackle and he can lower his shoulder when he needs to. Um, I saw in the, in the in the first first quarter, I think it was it might have been like a third down, and he stepped out of bounds early. And I'm like, I'm I'm glad he did that because like it's early in the game. You don't need a first down per se right there. But late in the game, when it's fourth down and you're you're down, he he made the right decision of lowering his shoulder and I mean yes, risking injury, but you at that point you have to get a first down there and he did what was needed for his first down. And then in Minnesota, they ran a very Cam Newton esque goal line play, um, a QB power play with him, and there was no way a corner they ran him outside. There's no way a corner is gonna bring him down. Um, um, without being dragged for three years. Agree there. So I do believe that, you know, Joe Milton can run in spots, uh, but he's not going to be out there like, you know, like they treat like a Lamar Jackson or how they treat some of these, you know, really fast QBs who are shifty, can juke, can spin. Um I think if you do treat him more like they do Cam, 
where their quarterback draws are for him to, you know, get, you know, four to seven yard chunks. Um, that really demoralizes um, a defense for sure. Um, I kind of want to go back to this running back by committee thing, by spreading it out. Um, in basketball, if you have three starting pointing guards, three starting point guards, you have zero. And I think that's the same in football. If you have six running backs, you don't have any, in my opinion. You have no rhythm. There's no continuity. There's no consistency. There's nothing there. Um, we have to kind of figure out you know, who's going to get the carries, and you stick with them. Um, why would a guy like Donovan Edwards, who is very high on the list for Michigan recruiting, why would he go to Michigan to be in a running back by committee? You know, why would you do that? You know, these guys want to get to the college level, and they want to spend three years there to go to the NFL. Running back by committee will not get you there. There is a reason why they've had no running backs drafted anywhere in seven rounds that goes for three days. Zero. Zero running backs have been drafted in over a decade. There's a reason behind it. The last first-round guy was Chris Perry in 2004. And the last – and here's the thing. The last skill player, period – Drafted in the first round for Michigan was 2005 with Braylon. That's the last first round draft pick that we've had at a skill position, and that's that's deeper than just you know one coach, one regime. Someone's not someone's not moving the needle forward. You know the team, the team, the team's a great mantra, but some guys going to kind of carry the lion's share and be that guy. I'm with you. There's there's no reason Nico Collins yeah, and, uh, should have had go- less than 50 catches last year. No reason Nico Collins should have had less than 50 catches last year. None whatsoever. And that's a failure of us to utilize our players once again. But to go off what Ant was saying with the running back by committee, I think that's an, um, that's an awesome point because you're completely taking out any rhythm that your players have by just rotating guys in and out. You know, each and each running back given has their own unique style, the way that, they hit the holes or they try to get outside. Each running back's a little bit different. And it's hard for the line to really get in a rhythm as well. It goes both ways. It's hard for the running backs to get in a rhythm, and it's hard for the line to really get in a rhythm as well. So you're almost putting yourself in a stalemate by rotating those guys in and out. Now, personally, I know uh, Chris Evans, he's had some history uh, violating some team rules. But I don't understand why that guy doesn't get more carries. I mean, he has showed us some seriously big games in the past, and he just doesn't get opportunities. I don't understand why that dude. He was, is- he was away from the team for a year. I mean, it, 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 all these other guys have been practicing for a year, and they've been through all these practices. When you don't, when you don't practice at a college level for a year, it really kind of takes your skills back and stuff. I mean, like, I, I he, he was probably working out on the side, but he could not work out with the team. You could not work out at a D1 level with the team. So that definitely does hurt. Um, and kind of, but, yeah, keep going. Sorry. 
No, no, you're good, man. Uh, that was just my thing, though. I really liked Chris Evans, what I saw out of him in the past, so that's just my uh, own personal thing. But uh, to what Kenzie was saying earlier, I wasn't really trying to make a point that uh, Joe Milton could be a Lamar-esque type quarterback, like Ant said, but certainly someone like Cam Newton, you know, he doesn't have to get to the outside and have breakaway speed, but, you know, seeing, you know, eight, designed runs for him maybe per game I don't think it's a bad number and he's definitely somebody that can just drag a corner for a good three to four yards I think uh I think Matt said it at the end of the game just yesterday he was forced to get outside the pocket and get that first down and I believe there was a minute left and he ran through legitimately like three or four Michigan State defenders to get that first down so he definitely has a ton of power and I just think that they don't do a good job utilizing it. Again, I, I don't think he has to be someone that's trying to juke guys out of their shoes and break off 40-yard runs like Shoelace used to do for us. But he is certainly somebody that can, you know, get north and south, pick up a little speed, and maybe run a guy over to pick us up a good 15-yard chunk every once in a while. I wouldn't mind seeing that diversity in our offense. I'm with you there. Um Quick question for you guys, though. Um, you know, watching watching these other teams play, these elite teams, these elite conferences, not conferences, but elite programs, um, when is the last time you saw a running back tap their helmet because they were tired? From our team or their teams? From our team. Like, because a running back, was just fed the ball, and he's like, "Hey, head tap, no, no, no I need never. to." Pray, probably Davion Smith is the last guy I could remember. He got a ton of carries, and that dude was a horse. It says a lot. That's in in my opinion, um, that says a lot, man. That says a lot. Um, any last parting words? You know, we're kind of way over time here. I'm not sure if they're going to make me break this off into two parts or not. But uh, what did you – what are your final thoughts um, with Harbaugh and this program? Uh, we have – it is a weird year with the pandemic and a lot of things are happening, a lot of things are going on, strange, strange times. Um what is your final kind of, you know, where are you? Um, you know, we have Indiana this coming weekend. Like, I'm not even there yet mentally, <laughs> you know. Um, they're like, hey, they have a game in six days. I'm not there yet. Uh, where are you guys at? It's It's got to be a clean slate. You got to just clean house, and it's got to be a complete – basically rebuild of the program in my opinion there's just been too much over the last three to four years I mean given those first couple years it's Harbaugh getting his guys and getting them you know ready and them growing and maturing themselves as players but these last two to three years man I mean some seriously embarrassing losses if you want to talk about uh, the loss to Penn State with Saquon where he just torched us i mean he put what like 250 to 260 on our head rushing that's embarrassing then in just horrific losses against ohio state 
you have the absolutely devastating loss against Michigan State yesterday and a couple other just horrific uh, losses to MSU under the Harbaugh, you know, his whole administration. But it, it to me, with all that being said, it's got to be a complete rebuild for the coaching staff and really culture, program, et cetera, everything. It's got to be clean house. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I think that like this is this is the Harbaugh's kind of last chance to really look at look in the mirror and prove that he can make adjustments. I kept thinking in the past. That's why I kept defending him. It was like, ah, uh, I think he's gonna make adjustments. And Don Brown coming out like, oh, like I'm looking in the mirror. Like after we gave up sixty two to Ohio State um, in twenty eighteen, like he's like, oh, I'm that's going to keep me up at night next year is going to be completely different. And I, I truly believed him when he said that. And then, and then the next year he's given up another, another 50 something points. And it's like, there, there's at this point, it's, it's kind of like the boy who cries wolf. It's like, there's, they're saying all these things. And at the end of the day, the, the same thing's happening and it's, it's not well, well the same thing's happening, but it, there's nothing happening. There's no changes being made. There's no, um, nothing being um, adapted to what's thrown at them. And until I, I think this is their last chance to really try to adapt and, and change their stubborn ways. If it doesn't happen there, if it doesn't happen, they're going to be in for a four and four season um, or three and five season. And I, I think at that point it's, it's up to the administration at U of M to really look themselves in the mirror and Harbaugh is not, Okay, I guess I'll jump in. Um, It's definitely gut check time for Harbaugh, Uh, not for his team. Um, It's him personally, it's gut check time. You know, Um, it's time for him to reconsider like everything in term, including himself. Does that mean him stepping down or getting fired? I don't, that's not my decision. Um, I know what everyone's wants and prayers are. I don't know. It's gut check time. We'll see what happens. He's, it, I'm a Harbaugh defender too, but he's getting to my very, it's, it's getting to the last straw. Like when's, we have to ask ourselves now, when is enough, you know? I think for me, the question is like, we're already so late in the game, so to speak, in Harbaugh's time at Michigan, in my opinion, for us, do we really think that the changes we need to see are going to happen all of the sudden to make him still a viable option here? And I just look at the other elite teams in college football where they're slinging the ball around the field, or you talk about like a legendary game a few years ago between Mahomes and Baker Mayfield for like 1,200 yards. That's not us. We've never really done that. And the question is, do we really think that with the current system in place, we can ever compete? Even if we happened to get through Ohio State and play in a college football playoff, could we compete with those teams the way we play football? And I just don't think we can. So unless we're going to make these major changes now, which I don't see that happening without a complete rebuild, then it's time to move on and and try and do that from the ground up. I feel you, Ben. 
thank you for everybody coming on today. I really appreciate you. Um, tomorrow, uh, I I host something on here once a month. Uh, it's called. Um, it's you could go to the little. If you go to if you hit the top right arrow to kind of get out of this, then you go to like my channels. Um, there's a channel on there, or if you go to my profile, there is a channel on there and it's called, it's called social media growth. Uh, I'm going to be on there. I, I go in there once a month. I did it last month, uh, around the same time and, uh, people liked it. And what we do is it's like, Hey, if you know, you want to grow your online presence, uh, I'll, I'll kind of show you a couple of tricks and a couple of things that I use to kind of um, uh, to make sure that that like my stuff is still growing and I'm not becoming stale. Um, so I'm going to be on here tomorrow at 8.50 p.m. to talk about, um, that's November 2nd, to talk about, um, you know, the different things that you can use in different metrics. And I went over my analytics this time last month and i'm going to go over them again but i also attached goals to them and we're going to kind of see where my where reality matched up with those goals if i exceeded if i didn't exceed them and kind of why i did or did not so um make sure you guys come in tomorrow if you're interested in that this not for everybody i mean like some people um want to grow more some people are just on here to kind of like hang out and stuff. And you know, some people take it seriously. Some people don't. I am very transparent. I, I take my social media very, very seriously. And it's, uh, um, and it's a lot of fun. I just enjoy it. And I want to make sure that I'm bringing you guys as much content as possible. And I want to be great at it. And I want to just make sure that, um, you know, I can deliver the best content and I can't do that without looking at analytics, uh, seeing how I'm growing, where I'm growing. You know, there are people out here playing video games and making $3 million over the course of a, of a few hours. Um, so there's crazy ways to um, kind of run your life out here. And, um, and hey, if, you know, you want a bigger online presence, please join me uh, tomorrow to kind of like, you know, see what I do pretty much, not daily, but I'll say like several, not several, like a few times a week. Uh, I'll go in and check a few things out. So that'll be tomorrow. Um, big game on Saturday against Indiana. Pretty sure it's on the road, I believe. Uh, I'm going to have someone in here from Indiana at some point, uh, some point this week. As soon as I get somebody, I'll probably tweet it out. And, um, you know, we'll talk and we'll preview that game and we'll see if they can pass the ball or not. Because if they can pass and your boy Don doesn't make changes, it's going to be another L. So thank you guys for coming in. I really appreciate, I really appreciate you guys. And be on the lookout for this pod. It should be up sometime tomorrow. All right. See you, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one.